is Dr. Robin Axelrod. On my drive to work one morning, I thought, how could I promote unity between OTA and OTA students? How could I foster communication and leadership skills and promote our amazing profession? Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Christian Wilson and I'm an occupational therapy assistant and a second year bridge student at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. And today I'm going to be interviewing Jenny Owens, an occupational therapist and co-founder of Reboot Recovery. Jenny, won't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am a fellow Belmont grad. I actually went to Belmont for my undergraduate and for OT school. And uh, getting out of school, I um, started working in traumatic brain injury rehab and then post-traumatic stress um, rehab as well with active duty soldiers. And then out of my work there, I started a nonprofit called Reboot Recovery with my husband um, that helps um, veterans, service members, and now first responders to heal from um, trauma and the soul wounds and moral injuries associated with trauma. I think that's incredible. I mean, this is definitely something that I would have never thought about going into. I mean, you know, we've, we see traumatic brain injuries and we work with them, but to look at the other aspect of it, to look at the trauma side of it, of first responders in the military, I think that's awesome. Um, how did, like, what specifically brought you to Reboot Recovery? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Well, I guess I can go back pretty far. Um, my first year at Belmont as an undergrad was uh, 2001. And so when I was starting college, um, 9-11 happened, and the world changed forever. And um, I felt always kind of a deep connection to our military. Even from that moment, I felt like um, my cohorts, my brothers and sisters of my age group, many were choosing, instead of going to college, to enlist in, in the armed forces. Um, to fight overseas. And so all the while was in college, you know, I, I felt just kind of a burden for what they were encountering overseas and, and the things that they were sacrificing on our behalf for our freedom. And so when I got into OT school, I, I wanted to work with the military. Um, there was a recruiter who actually came and spoke to us and talked about positions in the military as, as occupational therapists. And I, I kind of thought and prayed about that. But in the end, I thought I would love to be one of the civilians that works for the Department of Defense. And so I um, kind of made that a focus, and I lined up one of my um, clinicals to be at a, uh, an Army Medical Center in Washington State, and I was going to be doing, like, orthopedics and um, prosthetics. And wasn't, PTSD wasn't super on my radar, but I knew that there was trauma there, both physical, emotional, and spiritual. And so I was really hoping to do that clinical, but then actually um, my dad had a major a catastrophic accident on a motorcycle, and so I ended up changing my clinical to be near my family. Um, but what was neat and kind of full circle about the experience was that um, when I was interviewing for my first job, I had obviously passed on that Army opportunity. Um, I was interviewing at an outpatient brain injury clinic here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had worked with them and done some level twos there as well. So I kind of thought I knew, you know, stroke, brain injury, um, those kinds of um, injuries. But the interviewer asked how comfortable I would be worth working with active duty soldiers. And I was like, wow, um, I would love to do that. And she said, well, we've recently struck up an um, agreement with Fort Campbell Army Post, which is just about 45 minutes from Nashville, to be doing um, brain injury rehab and psychological counseling for their soldiers um, because they are overwhelmed there and they don't have these resources available. 
the OTs in the military at Fort Campbell are really only trained in orthopedics and, and this PTSD, TBI, visual disturbances, it's all kind of new. And so they were going to bring their soldiers down to that clinic. And the soldiers were going to be seen right there where I was applying for. And I was thrilled. I ended up getting the job. And because of my excitement with that, they basically filled up my entire caseload with soldiers. So my very first patients as a practicing OT were these young, strong um, soldiers who on at first glance, you know, looked totally healthy. But when you started interviewing them and interviewing their family members, you realized that they were really struggling in a lot of ways with what we call invisible wounds. And that's both TBI and PTSD. And so um, it was an amazing time of learning. Um, obviously, I didn't get trained for that in school a lot because this, these, are, these are mild traumatic brain injuries, the kind of injuries that we have on the sports field um, that most people recover from, concussions. Um, but these concussions were happening in the context of someone trying to kill you. And oftentimes, these soldiers would awake from maybe being knocked out by an explosive device and find out that, you know, one of their close friends was maimed or wounded, and they're having to fight for their lives and, and having to go back and do it again and again and again. And so there's kind of that cumulative, both physical and emotional and spiritual injury that was taking place. So we were trying to learn from them, first, what, what is that experience like? How is this limiting you? And then secondly what are your goals for rehabilitation? Because most of these soldiers were going to go right back to the fight. They weren't getting out. They wanted to go back to the fight. They wanted to be there for their units. Um, they, they had a deep sense of identity, and there was a loss when they weren't able to fulfill that identity. And so I learned from them about well, what does it take to be a cab scout? What do you have to do to be a driver in the military? What does being infantry mean in terms of your skills and abilities? And then how can we um, you know, do task analysis to begin working back up the ladder to, to ensuring that they have those skills, number one, and that they can manage and perform their duties when the stresses are really high, because that's another thing that not like you can just test someone in a sterile clinic to see if their attention and scanning is, is within normal limits. You have to be able to test that in an environment that's very dynamic and very challenging. So, we, uh, it was fun, we, we created um, what we would call scavenger hunts. We were on a large university medical campus, and so I would go out and take pictures of these um, kind of iconic items, and I would give them a map, and I would say, like, we need to follow this map, and I need you to find these five things by scanning. And at the same time, I'm going to be asking you to keep track of the number of trash cans that we walk by in your head. Because, like, upping the cognitive demands was the only thing I could think of to try to increase the stress. Um, so we were really innovative, and again, I learned from them, and that was it. Just wet my appetite so much for working with the military because they um, exhibited such a work ethic and such a, a, a courage and such a passion about what they did that I wanted to help them to be successful. Um, so that was like the beginning of working with the military. I know you asked how I got involved with reboot recovery, but that was really when I decided I want to work for the military and. Um, when a job opened up at Fort Campbell just about a year later, um, I ended up moving up there to work within the Department of Defense, doing the exact same, doing brain injury rehab, but in a capacity where everyone I saw was active duty and they were all trying to get back um, to their previously held job roles. Um, so we did a lot of work there when um, we were able to really stimulate their job requirements there even more so, um, like 
having them go out. We, we had this thing called the um, military functional assessment that we kind of created. And they had to be able to show that they could um, shoot their weapon and qualify, that they could do basic land navigation, that they could do um, a Humvee rollover trainer, that they could do basic um, tactical combat casualty care, which is like putting on tourniquets. Like we really, as OTs, we were doing the most far out OT that I had ever done to really assessing them in these real life situations before they went back to um, combat. Um, So the spiritual piece though, I know that's where we're going is that was something that was always between the lines. Um, Again, as an OT, we're trained to look at the whole person and I could hear in the pain in their voice when they would talk about their experiences, um, having lost friends, um, having had to make lose-lose decisions where there was really no good outcome um, in terms of making split-second decisions overseas, um, where they had had breakdowns in their marriages and relationships because of just the, the toll that it took, um, where they questioned God and they questioned his goodness and they questioned, like, why am I here? Purpose and meaning. Like, they've seen the worst of humanity and they came back to a culture that didn't understand that and how do I relate to my neighbor or to the person at McDonald's when I've, you know, been to hell and back. And so all of these things just led me to believe that there was a key component that was missing in the triad of care. We were addressing physical wounds and we're addressing the mental and emotional wounds, but there's a spiritual component that was there as well that was going unaddressed. And um, for those folks, I felt like asking the question, how's your spirituality was just a really good um, beginning and when I learned from them that they were really hurting, that's when the idea for reboot kind of took seed. Mm-hmm. What an incredible testimony! And as you you were answering some of the questions that I would have, you know, as you were talking, and one thing like you mentioned, you know, as OTs, we have we're able to take that holistic approach. And the more you were explaining, you know, the process. It, it seems like you were describing every single aspect of OT. You know, you started working in orthopedics and how does that affect you physically and then you're looking at the psych component and then the neuro component and to see that all come together, um, I imagine that's incredible because you really are addressing every area. It's not just one, you know, we work in outpatient, we see mostly orthopedics or we work in inpatient rehab, you're seeing a lot of neuro but you're seeing it all and you get mm-hmm. to address every, every avenue. I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So well, I, and I think if we, as OTs, we want, you know, we want to help people to regain their function, of course, skills for the job of living, but like what happens when they question living? I mean, you've probably heard the suicide statistics in the military, 20 plus per day suicides in the military, helping people to, lead a life worth living, to reclaim a life worth living, to find purpose and meaning in what they do in their occupations. That's a part of who we are as OTs. And so to just try to give them back function without applying it to the meaning felt like it was short-sighted. And that's where I really felt like we had to take it a step further. Mm-hmm. So I did want to ask, you know, we'll go a little more into detail about what exactly is Freeboot. Can you tell us, you know, and got a little bit about how you how it comes to be, but what exactly are you doing with Reboot on a daily basis? Sure. Um, well, Reboot was something that my husband and I just really we put our heads together and we prayed about it at the at the beginning um, because again we just felt 
a burden on our hearts for the folks who are hurting. And what happened was that we were meeting with different soldiers and their family members. They became friends of ours. We, we lived in the community. We were surrounded by this. We were listening to all their struggles. And we were having the same conversations time and time again with different couples. And, we, and they were asking the same questions and talking about the same struggles. And we felt like, wow, wouldn't it be powerful if we could get these people all in a room together so that A, they'll know that they're not alone, that they're not the only ones having these thoughts and, and thinking they're, that they're crazy, and that B, that they can maybe learn from each other and share wisdom and knowledge. Um, and so this idea of a small group centered around the topic of trauma and faith was really the, the origins of Reboot. We just said, we said, if we can get them together and provide them a place that feels safe, that feels confidential, that feels like there's not going to be any judgment, um, and then and then provide them with what we felt was truthful, hopeful ideals. Um, Reboot is rooted in Christian principles, so we, we talk through different things, and I can go into more detail in the curriculum, but that are relevant to like your soul and your soul's woundedness. Um, and, we, and we look to scripture to speak to that. Now, we don't by any means mandate that you have to be a Christian or share the same beliefs to come to Reboot, and, and ideally you're not going to feel any different than anyone else if you don't share those beliefs but you're going to be able to absorb some things that are encouraging and that can help take you to the next level in your spiritual journey. And so um, we opened up our house initially and we provided a meal. That's a big part of it because um, eating together, it just fosters um, unity and fellowship. And we also hired a, a child care provider because we wanted these families to be able to come together and not have to worry about where are my kids going to be and how am I going to coordinate all this. So it really was designed to just be a, a safe resting place for these families who are, you know, again, walking through the most difficult and trying of circumstances as a result of their service members' combat experiences um, to just come and lay down their burdens, to be with others who care about them, who love them, who want to support them, and to begin to open up those topics that have been kind of kept down um, in darkness or kind of stuffed down. Um, so that was really the, the format for Reboot initially. And then as far as what do we talk about curriculum-wise, um, our beginnings, we started using a book called The Combat Trauma Healing Manual, Christ-Centered Solutions for Combat Trauma. So it was a book that a lot of chaplains had um, that had been put out by military ministries. Um, and it, had, it was the first resource we ever found that kind of spoke to this idea of soul woundedness. And so the topic sort of sprang from that and, again, from listening to the people that we were talking to. So we talk about um, if you're just helping people to understand that if your body and your mind can be wounded, doesn't it make sense that your soul can be wounded? And if you can at least un understand that concept, then you can begin to heal it. <laughs> first, you have to recognize the wound right first before you can heal it. Um, and then talking about what does that look like? So typically we're dealing with things like unresolved grief or, or unengaged grief because there wasn't time overseas to really grieve your losses. You had to just suck it up and move on. And then when you came back, you know, your family expects you to just be happy because you're home, but you still haven't really engaged your grief. Talking about how grief is a God-given process that if we don't use, can actually have negative physical consequences. Um, we talk about guilt and um, forgiveness and unforgiveness and how a lot of times a root cause of anger in a lot of people's lives is unforgiveness of either others or themselves or God. Um, so the freedom that can be found in forgiveness um, we talk about identity and how um, fragile it can, you can feel when you've placed your identity in what you do and then you can no longer do that for one reason or another. And a lot of these military members were getting medically discharged from the Army. So 
so their identity, their, their um, you know, the stripes on their chest, they're being stripped of that and they are having to figure out who am I outside of sergeant or lieutenant or whatever. And so placing your identity in something that's unshakable, that, that was a big piece of it. Um, you know, it really is, we use a diagram um, of a tree with a root system and we talk about how a lot of the symptoms of PTSD and trauma are like the branches of a tree, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, you know, um, relationship dysfunction, all of that. And we can address the symptoms. And I know this, the behavioral health world is doing that through counseling and medicine. And that's important. That's a, a very vital piece of the puzzle. But sometimes it can be sort of like weeding. You pull a weed and then it just grows back. If you don't get down to the root issue of these symptoms and heal that and address that, then they just keep coming back or in a different form. And so Reboot was really designed to address the root issues of trauma, and that's the soul wounds. So again, those soul wounds were related to grief, um, guilt, identity, um, not, I guess, question or understanding um, your place in the world or understanding God and those kinds of questions that really cause us to sort of feel shaken. Mm-hmm. So I know you mentioned that you'll have the curriculum. How long do you normally have um, some of your group members? Do they stay? Do they keep returning? Do they graduate? What's the process throughout yeah. the program? So it's a 12-week program, and we, we call it a course because we want to give people the idea that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's not something that you have to go to forever. Um, and we want it to be an on-ramp for people to move forward from to, like, a lot of times after Reboot, they're ready to go and do more behavioral health counseling, or they're ready to plug into a church or take the next steps in whatever that might be. Um, so cer- there are people that graduate and, graduate and move on. But there certainly are other people who repeat the course, and that's totally welcome. Because I think you could probably imagine a lot of times the first round, there's so much um, just anxiety in being there for a lot of people with complex post-traumatic stress. Like they're not even able to absorb everything. They're absorbing some of it and they're absorbing um, the, the foundations of building relationships with other people. But usually by the end is when they finally start gelling. And then a lot of times those people come back again and they'll, they'll peel back more layers of the onion and finally be able to, to get more healing from that. So we had people coming back and coming back. And that was actually a problem we didn't anticipate when we started our first course. When people got down, they were like, what am I going to do on Monday night? This has become a staple in my routine. Um, I really, they, they really loved it and depended on it. So we actually started a graduate class and we started talking about other topics with them and involving them in the leadership of the program because they had gotten so much out of it and they could speak with so much expertise to the lived experience of walking through trauma. I mean, Evan and I, my husband, the crazy thing about this whole story is that we're civilians. Like nobody would have believed that two civilians would start a successful military mm-hmm. nonprofit, um, except for the fact that I think God's hand was in it. But eventually we worked ourselves out of a job because we saw the beauty in letting our graduates take over the leadership because there's nothing better than that peer-to-peer mentorship. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really what has caused Reboot to grow the way that it has is because those people who've had a positive experience with Reboot turn around and want to help somebody else with Reboot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that networking is, I imagine, so valuable. When it comes to some of the members and their families, what are y'all offering, like, to the family members? I know you said that y'all have child care. Are they coming to the groups with their spouses, or is there something separate for the spouses to attend? Or how does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another good question that I'm glad you asked because uh, I didn't mention it earlier. 
Reboot is very unique in that from the beginning, we've always welcomed the spouse or partner or caregiver to come with their loved one. Um, there are a lot of programs that separate them out. Um, unfortunately, a lot of VA programs don't allow the spouse to attend because they don't, they're not covered under that. Um, and so Reboot was different because we said these traumas are not just impacting the service member, they're impacting their, their loved ones deeply as well. And there is such a thing as secondary trauma. Uh, and or those people have been traumatized in other ways. I mean, in our world, we, the statistics are glaring right now with the, the fact that it's, I, I don't know if I'm going to get this exactly right, but it, it seems like, I think I read that 75% of adults will experience a traumatic event at some point in their life, and especially young adults, and it, the prevalence of a childhood sexual trauma and childhood abuse, the, their spouses oftentimes were dealing with their own issues and were triggered by their loved one's issues. And so we felt like, let's handle this collaboratively, um, we wanted to enable those marriages and relationships to be strengthened and for communication to be opened between the two of them. And we felt like that having them both be privy to the information so that they could talk about it on the way home would be the best thing. Mm -hmm. And as surprising as it sounds, um, it's worked really, really well. I mean, there are some people who come in and say, oh, I'm not going to be able to open up if my spouse is here. But what happens is that um, another person will share something in the room that sparks a conversation between them maybe on the, on the ride home to where they didn't maybe have to share everything or even start that conversation, but they can then engage the topics and the spouse is learning. They're learning from someone else. Um, and that works both ways. The service member learning from the spouse's perspective that they maybe never heard of what the burden the spouse was carrying while they were gone mm -hmm. and how that has impacted their wellness. So mm -hmm. um, they do attend together. And sometimes after they've graduated, you know, we'll do different programs that might separate them out for more intensive stuff or to provide them just a time to, to work, network more directly with people who have that similar experience as them. But, but yeah, that's been the way that it's worked. Yeah, that's awesome because that's, that's a unique model because most of the time you'll hear that, you know, someone will go to behavioral therapy and then they'll do marriage counseling on the side and then, you know, they're having to go to different places, but to have it all together and all from one source, I think that's pretty great. Um, so as far as, like, billing and, like, you know, Traditionally, we think OT is coming in, they're doing an evaluation, and you're billing Medicare or TRICARE. However, how does that work? Is it nonprofit, or how does that work for you all as far yeah, as reimbursement goes? Yeah, it's a nonprofit. So it's something that uh, while I was still working clinically, um, I started in my spare time outside of, outside of work. But it really was designed to be kind of a community program to provide people with that ongoing um, relational care and maintenance to help them to, to maintain the gains that they've gotten in their clinical setting. And so it's, we've been really favorably supported by both mental health providers and um, occupational and physical therapists who are working with this population because they see it as something that can help people take the next step in their healing and really get plugged back into the community. Um, but as far as payment and, and reimbursement, I mean, my husband and I funded it ourselves just for the first few years. I mean, we just, we bought books, we bought folders, we cooked the food, we paid the babysitters. I mean, at that time in our lives, we um, we were dual income, no kids. And so we, we wanted to be able to give back to our community. And this was a really direct way that we could do that. Um, but then when we decided that there was a greater need outside of just Fort Campbell and we thought maybe this thing could really take off, you know, we stood it up as a nonprofit and we began making the system scalable so that we could teach other people to lead these courses in their own communities. 
um, then there was a greater need for funding. And so we've been blessed to be able to be funded um, through a diverse number of different means. We, we got some grants um, early on, some family foundations. We had a few um, you know, corporate sponsorships. We have obviously individual donors. That's our, our major base that we rely so heavily upon. Um, we've never gotten any federal or state funding, um, but we've been able to really grow through that and hire some staff and make the, pro the program something that's enabled us to now be in like almost 300 different course locations, both in the continental U.S. and in several different countries. Um, we've got reboots in, in Japan and um, in Korea and in Ukraine, and we, the list just keeps growing. Um, and so um, that's, that's kind of how we've, we've been able to grow. We have never asked our participants to pay. It's free for them. That's the beauty of it. Again, they get free childcare, free meal, free help for 12 weeks. Um, because we just want to make it as easy as possible for them to enter in um, to the course. Mm -hmm. Could you have ever imagined when you first started this, because I was looking on the website, looking at the map, and to see that you cover the country and almost the world now, and it's incredible. Did you ever think that it would grow this fast and this big? <laughs> I didn't. I, I, my husband and I are different in that because if he would answer that question, he would say absolutely because he's just a visionary. He's a big thinker, and he's been a big part of this, and we're co-founders, and he's the executive director. I think that's the beauty of our relationship. Like he, The passion was lit inside of him as much as it was inside of me, um, and so we were able to work on this together and grow it and use our different skill set um, to complement each other. But for me initially, I just wanted to help people that I knew who were hurting. I mean, I looked in their eyes. I, I saw the pain there and the questioning about, you know, does God love me? You know, can I be forgiven for what I've done? Um, is there, do I have a purpose left on this earth? And I just wanted to say to them, yes, you are loved. Um, you have a purpose. If you're still alive on this earth, you have a purpose. And I want to help you to find that because, um, nobody has lived the life that you've lived, and you can you can turn your pain into that purpose to help other people. And so, um, I just wanted to help those people. But it is a very surreal thing to have um, you know people who hear about Reboot who know me and say, oh, I just took a picture of this billboard in Georgia that Reboot on it. Isn't that the organization you started? Or oh, I was on an airplane with someone wearing a Reboot shirt. It's like I can't really wrap my head around that, but. Um, it's awesome. And, and the fact that the videos and curriculum that we created were translated and they're being used in Ukraine. I get social media updates from the people who are leading those courses in, in, in Ukraine. Uh, it's in Ukrainian and they're sitting and, and it looks the same. That's the amazing thing about it is like trauma is a great equalizer. Like it doesn't matter what your background, if, you've, if you have those painful core experiences, it really strips away everything else. And so, and Reboot is designed to sort of be replicatable because it's just, it's foundational. It's about love and community and acceptance and support and understanding. And so this group in Ukraine is men and women sitting around eating and with their books in their lap, watching the video, talking. It looks exactly the same, which is just incredible to me. Have you ever been able to travel to, like, participate in any of the, the other groups in other countries or... I'm sure throughout the, the, our country no. and other states, but other like, have you ever been able to go to Japan and just kind of see what they're doing there? I haven't. I mean, that would be a total dream come true. Um, mm -hmm. No, and even here, like, I've only been to. Uh, there's a lot of courses here locally. Of course, we started one at Fort Campbell, and now there's three or four in the surrounding community. So I've been to those courses, been to their graduations and stuff, but. 
even outside of that, I, I haven't. And it was neat, though. Um, my family's from Michigan, and there was a course in my hometown, and I wasn't there, but I invited my parents to go to the graduation and meet the leadership team and just shake hands with the graduates. And it was just me. I felt like I was living vicariously through them, um, yeah. but I wasn't able to go with them. <laughs> That's really cool. So how, like, the different team leaders that you'll have, are those all former graduates or are they other occupational therapists or who all of the different team leaders, where do they come from? They are mostly people who have walked through trauma themselves and kind of come out on the other side with that, with stronger and with that purpose of wanting to help other people. So most of our veteran courses are led by veterans and or their spouses, um, but they're teamed up a lot of times with civilians. A lot of times we do have OTs working on the team or behavioral health counselors or pastors um, who are on the team to sort of provide that support. And I think that's the beauty of it because then you get the best of all worlds. Um, you get that relatability, um, but also the expertise. Um, but, but we've found most of our course leaders through speaking at conferences, um, through we did, we've done some Facebook advertising to, to various groups. But by and large, most of the people who do start groups have graduated themselves. So that's, again, that's why we've grown exponentially is that the people turn around and want to open the courses in their own communities. Okay. Um, I did want to ask about compassion fatigue. You know, we as occupational therapists or as healthcare providers, you know, we see the aftermath of trauma most of the time. And, you know, they say that we're susceptible to having compassion fatigue and to taking on the experience that we didn't go through. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like over the years that you've encountered that? Is that something that's been difficult for you and your husband? Yeah, I, I really, this is funny that it's jogging my memory. Early on when I was working at that first outpatient clinic in the community, and this was all so new to me, I, I was a little overwhelmed by it um, in that I started having dreams. <laughs> I was dreaming that I was in a combat because I was listening to so many stories. Um, and I really immersed myself in learning as much as I could. So I watched a lot of documentaries. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of Restrepo. That came out a few years after I started doing this where it's like a camera team in, is embedded inside um, a unit in Afghanistan and you get all these interviews with these men who just whose lives have been forever changed by their experiences. And you can just really, you can read it on their faces, a lot of the, um, just the, the horror that they've walked through. And so it just, it really impacted me. That I, I read some books. I do remember when I was reading a book that was super intense. It was, again, a first-person account of some things that happened in Iraq. Um, it did, it made me edgy. It made me anxious. Like, I did have to recognize that I needed to probably have some healthy boundaries in place because I was just, I was a sponge and I was just absorbing it without any safeguards in place. So that was kind of a learning curve. Um, but I was really grateful that I had uh, a husband who was able to be sort of sounding board for me and a, and a place to decompress and somebody who could steer me towards some life-giving activities just to take a break because it can become all-consuming. And so um, I think both of us kind of walked down different roads related to that. It, for him, it happened later when we began doing Reboot. I mean, he was meeting with so many of these men in one-on-one and he was sort of observing it. Um, we actually had a veteran and his spouse living with us at one period in time, and he was having active flashbacks in our home, so we were able to witness what that's like and how to help him get grounded and de-escalate. But it, it really changed us and um, gave us a very acute understanding of what these folks went through. So we have learned, and we're now, you know, focusing when we're teaching our other leaders, we're trying to say, you know, 
get these things in place early so you don't have to go where we've been. <laughs> you know, get your boundaries and your self-care in place so that you can stay in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, it is so important for us to, you know, self-reflect and look at ourselves and think about, you know, you know, we see these things all day long and I can't imagine, you know, the stories that you've heard, but how does that affect us and how does that affect our mental health and making sure that we are in check with ourselves before going out mm-hmm. and trying to encounter some of our clients. Um, yeah, I, I, I've said this before and just real quick on, along those lines, okay. it's just you can't lead someone where you haven't been. And so if you want, if you want them to gain spiritual and mental wellness, like you really have to practice that your, yourself. So I would just, as a caveat to that, I think that's a good thing to remember as an OT. Mm-hmm. Um, how different, you know, about comparing the military curriculum, how different is it from when you're working with a first responder? Are they about the same? They're similar, but there are some definite differences. I think um, one of the things is, you know, first responders encounter the trauma here in the States and in a very, in an environment where they go home every night and they deal with their families and their kids. And there's a lot of stress, I think, within the job from supervisors. Um, There's obviously societal pressure, especially right now with with the heightened tensions going on in our, in our, in our country um, between, um, you know, rioters and, and police officers. And so it's, it's different. And so those nuances are present in the curriculum. We, we actually wrote that several years after we wrote the Reboot Combat Recovery Curriculum. And for that, we enlisted some other experts, um, Kristen Ranella adds it, who had written, um, they had actually written that first book that I mentioned, the Combat Trauma Healing Manual, but they've also written the First Responder Healing Manual and done a lot of research on that. So it's still similar format, 12 weeks. The topics are similar, but the way that they're unpacked is unique. Mm-hmm. With everything that we've had going on this year, are you having um, more people try to join the program, especially like our first responders, considering you know, how very different our world is right now? Are you seeing a fluctuation yeah. in that? We have. We've seen a, um, an uptick in that, especially obviously from law enforcement, but even prior to that with COVID, the first first-line or front-line healthcare workers, I mean, in certain cities, you know, they've been basically in warlike conditions for periods of time, and, and they're, they're, they've been very taxed emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and so our hearts were to make our courses more available to them. We actually, we've been innovative. We created um, an online self-paced study that's six weeks in length that borrows from our 12-week curriculum. We've made that available. Um, we've made our courses virtual, of course, in many instances. There's a few that are meeting in person in smaller groups. But we've, the virtual courses have been a blessing in disguise because um, first responders that didn't live in a community that had a reboot group could join in, or, or veterans for that matter, or those whose symptoms were so strong that prevented them from coming out to an in-person group. They're able, they, there's kind of a safety and a barrier with the virtual course where they can still get a lot of that good support and insight, but it's on their terms and it's a little more comfortable for them. And so we've heard a lot of awesome testimonies from our leaders that, that shockingly the virtual courses have been really, really successful. And um, so we're doing that again this fall and we kind of have a few groups that are doing hybrids and some that are all virtual, some that are all in person. Okay. So now that this has, you know, grown, so much. What does your role look like now? Are you as hands-on or as interactive as you used to be, or what are you able to do on a daily basis now? 
Well, I have been part-time for the last few years. I have three small boys that we've had since we started Reboot. So I've been trying to balance, you know, wanting to stay home with them as much as I can, but also still wanting to be very involved with the organization. So um, right now I head up our research efforts. So I can't, as an OT, I can't um, take off that hat entirely. I want to maintain program evaluation, gather outcomes that are data-driven. We're looking at... Um, health-related quality of life. We're also looking at um, indicators of suicidality, so social connectedness, spirituality, purpose and meaning. We're actually, we've published one study in the Journal of Military Psychology, and we have two studies that are currently under, or one that's under review and one that we're still gathering data for. That's a six-month follow-up study. So I, I love doing the research and being able to back up what we've seen with evidence. Um, but, but as far as the hands-on stuff, we do. My husband and I still lead a course. Um, we try to always do that when our schedules will permit it because it's just it's important to us. Um, the course that we're leading this fall is actually a new initiative that I, I do want to mention. Um, we are branching out now and hoping to get this done and launched officially in, in early 2021, but we're taking what we've learned from the combat veterans and the first responders and, and their recovery process, and we are creating a trauma healing curriculum for everyone. So that's the next phase of Reboot is to, we know that trauma is prevalent, as I mentioned earlier, and the things that we've seen um, that are working can be easily applied to the general population, whether your trauma is because you were assaulted or a tornado tore up your house or you lost a baby. There is so many different things that people can be traumatized by. Um, so we're launching that in the spring, and my husband and I are doing a pilot of that program at our church this fall. That's awesome. And there's such a need for that now, and you're going to be able to touch so many more lives. Um, so if there is one thing that you could share with new grads, young OTs, OT students right now that might be interested in getting involved in the military or exploring their role in military services, what would you share with them? Um, I guess I would just follow your heart and, and don't, don't be overwhelmed. I mean, the, the crazy thing, I'm, I was this young, fairly inexperienced female OT, and yet because I showed sincere compassion and care for these service members, they, they gave me their trust. And that's the foundation of any therapeutic relationship. Um, and because I, I learned from them and I, I invited them into the collaborative process on how are we going to help you get better, um, it, it worked. And so I just want to encourage you, don't be intimidated to work in a, in a realm that you, that you maybe don't have any personal experience with. I think the, the greatest common denominator is love, and genuine love and care and compassion will take you farther than anything else. Um, and that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. and I think that in a combination of your therapeutic use of self, I mean, it, it all mm -hmm. plays a role. Um, if, you know, there was another OT student that was interested in this or interested in becoming a group leader for Reboot, how would they become involved or where would you direct them? Please visit RebootRecovery.com. We've got a page on there for people who are interested in either um, attending a course or if you're interested in starting a course. You can get all kinds of information about what that process looks like. You can sign up. Um, and then also, please like and share us on Facebook, Instagram, um, Reboot Recovery is, is our name on there. And just stay, stay in touch with us because um, we do have opportunities for volunteers. We, we have students even within Reboot, um, OT students. I usually have an um, experiential component student um, every year who helps us with research. 
but we'd love to help you start a course in your community, especially if you have that, if you have a connection with these communities, these populations. So rebootrecovery.com. <laughs> Good deal. That's great. And we'll be sure to include that in the notes at the end of the episode. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, I think that I think that's it. Um, I'm just grateful to have had the opportunity to share about this. This is something that has been an adventure, and I encourage everybody to seek after adventure in their career because it's going to help you to really um, just maintain the passion for what you do and to be the most effective. Um, and so, my husband and I are just we're thankful to have had this opportunity to do this work. Mm -hmm. Well, Jenny, I think you are incredible, and you are doing great things for our profession, and I'm so thankful that you were able to join us and share your testimony and share your story, and hopefully we can touch other OTs that are becoming or entering the field now. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you to the student contributors. If you liked it, please subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at MyOTJourney, and on Instagram at MyOTJourneyPodcast. Thanks for listening. Go OT!